Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We acknowledge you in this place this morning. And Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. We simply ask that you do what you do best, and that's, that's teach us. Open the eyes of our understanding. May we begin to understand your word. May this just not be information that tantalizes the intellect, but may it be information that gives birth to revelation, where the hearts of each and every one of us will be changed, transformed from the inside to affect the outside. Father, we thank you for your word. As we open your word, may it come alive in our hearts. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew 27. Uh, we are going to continue. We started last week uh, on a series called From Gate to Gate. It's a two-part series. This is the second of the parts. And basically, let me... Uh, catch you up where we're at in this, uh, but we are uh, taking this from Jesus' triumphal entry into the eastern gate of Jerusalem. You need to understand that when Jesus came into the eastern gate, uh, when he, during Palm Sunday, when He rode on a donkey and all the disciples were out there with the rest of the city, and the, the high priest and the priests were there, not because they were disciples of Jesus, but because that's what for hundreds of years the children of Israel did for Passover. If that was their culture, for hundreds of years they would come out there and celebrate the Passover lamb coming in to the eastern gate, the very same gate that Jesus was coming into. Matter of fact, that's why the Pharisees called out to Jesus, Jesus and tell his disciples to be quiet. To, to Jesus, tell your disciples to be quiet. Because Jesus was getting, they were giving Jesus more attention than the Passover lamb was getting attention coming through right before Jesus. And so last week, what we did, we started on a journey. Jesus' journey from the entry into the eastern gate. And today we're going to end up talking about His entry into the heavenly gate. That's why we call this message from gate to gate. Because He went through two gates. He entered into the eastern gate and into the heavenly gates. And we talk about everything, not everything, but a whole lot of things that He did that maybe you weren't even aware of that the Word tells us about, and it will change your life. Amen. I guarantee it. This is awesome. All right, so as Jesus comes in the eastern gate, uh, what, did they, what did they shout out? We talked about this last week. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. They've done that for, you know, the, the, the disciples were doing that for Jesus, but they did that for hundreds of years. The children of Israel said the same thing of the Passover lamb coming in. They would shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so they were saying the same thing about Jesus. Then the, the Passover lamb went through several days of investigation, several days of inspection where they tried to find something wrong with the Passover lamb. They inspected it physically. They, they inspected it in all different ways. What happened to Jesus for several days while He was in Jerusalem? They inspected Him. They asked Him questions. They tried to trick Him. They tried to find fault in Him. And when, when Jesus finally went 
in front of the authority, the, ruler, the, the, the person that represented the, the king of the world at that time, Caesar. Well, Caesar, but, but he went in front of Pilate, and Pilate said, I find no fault. The very same thing the priest says when they exam after they examine the Passover lamb, they look at the Passover lamb and they declare, they step back and they say, I find no fault. Said the same thing. What we talked about last week were some of the things that the, at the same time they were declaring no fault to the lamb, Pilate was declaring no fault to Jesus. He couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus. Not only that, but Matthew chapter 27 there, or in Matthew, in some of the other Gospels, it declares, shows that they actually declared Jesus to be the king of the Jews in three languages. The Pharisees said, please don't declare him the king of the Jews. Why did they not want Pilate, who represented Caesar, to declare Jesus the king of the Jews? Because when the governmental authorities declare something from the seat of judgment, and if you read your word, it says that Pilate sat in the seat of judgment and declared with his right hand, this is the king of the Jews. He was declared by Roman authority to be king of the Jews. It was nailed on the cross in three languages. Hebrew, Greek, and Latin declaring him to be king of the Jews. When the Roman centurions, we talked about this, we'll share it again, catch up real quickly. They took the crown of thorns and they placed it into his head and crowned him the king of the Jews. What was the first evidence that came forth from the ground when God cursed the grounds for man's sake in Genesis chapter 4? The first thing that manifested after God cursed the ground was thorns. See, the blood redeems even the curse of the ground. The blood covered the thorns in the crown. Jesus, see, see the priest, there's so many cool things about this teaching, it's incredible. I wish we had time to talk about it. But the priest in the temple would sprinkle the blood of Jesus, or, or, or excuse me, would sprinkle the blood of the Passover lamb seven times in their rituals, in their ceremonies. They would go through and sprinkle seven times. Jesus, in, his, in this process from Gethsemane to the cross, shed His blood seven times along the way. The Scripture says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the, the, blood of the Lamb and the, the words of our testimony. But see, we need to understand the seven places that Jesus shed His blood because one of them was on the thorns redeeming the ground, the curse. Another one, he, he, he shed, the first place he did was he sweat, and his sweat turned to? What was the first thing that happened to man that God said was going to happen to man when he toiled the ground? Sweat on his brow. The blood even covered that. Seven times. Boy, if you want a good study, start studying the times that Jesus shed his blood. Each one of them redeems you from something. Each one of them sets you free from something. But guess what? The scripture says people perish for lack of knowledge. We don't have knowledge about all these things. We should. But see, most of what happens in church is we just, well, there's the calendar, Palm Sunday. Okay, talk about the palms going to the next one, Easter, Christmas. No, listen, there is life in this. There is life in the Word. There is truth. It will literally set you free from bondage. You will be released 
from some of the things that you've been carrying all your life if you just let the Word come in. Let the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, teach you what's really in the Word. There is so much liberty in life in here, it's incredible. We're going to talk some more about this. You know, one of the things, one of the things that, that the priest does when, when the priest takes the knife and cuts the throat of the Passover lamb, you know what he says? If you were here last week, you know. What's he say when he does this? It, it is, is finished. finished. Been saying it for hundreds of years. You think it was by accident? No. God gave him instructions because he knew there was a day when his son would be the Passover lamb, would be the lamb of God, and he would stand on the cross and hang there and shed his blood and with his last breath say, It, it is, is finished. Oh, come on. That is too cool. That is too cool. God is an awesome God to realize that God set man up for such a time as this. Amen. Just not a moment on the calendar, but if you go, there is so much stuff that we don't even have time to share because you'd be here till too long for you. <laughs> Notice it says for the very, it gets down to the very moment, hour, and time. I believe the reason that we know, because the Bible says the veil was ripped from top to bottom, that veil was anywhere from 60 to 90 feet tall, anywhere from 6 inches to 9 inches thick. And the reason we know that the veil was ripped from top to bottom is because the priests were in there doing their priestly duties when Jesus died on the cross. And they saw it. That veil is what separated mankind from the presence of God. And in his death, in his death, he was declaring nothing will separate mankind from the presence of God again. Amen. We have free access. See, the veil was put there because of the law. The veil represented the barrier that was between God and man. What did we learn last week about Joshua chapter 3? How far, and, and we'll talk about it real quickly, in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, it talked about how God took out of the way. Matter of fact, turn to, keep your finger in the book of Matthew. That is our main scripture. Turn with to the uh, uh, book of Colossians. Yep, there goes the notes. Colossians chapter 2. It says this in verse, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and your uncircumcision of your flesh... He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting. Everybody say handwriting. handwriting. The handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Literally, what this verse is telling us is that God nailed the requirements for our righteousness at, under the Old Covenant. He took the requirements under the Old Covenant and nailed them to the cross and took them out of the way. Well, the question I had when I was studying the Bible was, how far did He take them out of the way? A little bit? Do we have to tiptoe by them? Oh, no, scared to break them? <laughs> Walking on thin ice? No. We read in Joshua chapter 3, verse 16, it's, it's the coolest story. We can't get into it. We did it last week. But when the children of Israel passed over into the prom, everybody say promised land. Promise. 
when they went into the promised land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a land where everything was done for them, all the promises of God are yes and amen in the promised land, as they couldn't get across there into the promised land because of what was contrary to them or what was against them. It was called the River Jordan. It was at flood stage. They couldn't get across. Something was keeping them out from the presence of God. Something was keeping them out of the promises of God. And what was it? In this case, it was the Jordan, but it was the law. There was something, there was, it represents, they, they go hand in hand. And, and the scripture says that God parted the water all the way back to a town called Adam. Think about that. How far did God push what was contrary to us out of the way? All the way back to the place the first law was given. Thou shalt not eat. All the way back to the beginning in the garden, God took the law out of the way so the children of Israel could enter the promised land. That's our promise. That's what Jesus did for us at Calvary. He moved the law so far out of the way. There is nothing in your way entering in the promised land, into the promises of the Father, walking in the blessings of the new covenant, except right here. It's called stinking thinking, renewing the mind. That's what we're going to hopefully help you with this morning. In the book of Matthew chapter 27, seeing that everybody is there except me. In verse 51 it says there, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Stop right there. We need to understand that, that in this process, that in, the, in the telling of this story, there's some... Uh, I don't know how you'd call it. He, he begins to tell some things that went on and happened. Then he goes back and catches up where he was at. Yet, one of the greatest communicators that, that uh, my generation and the generation before me, and I'm sad to say the present generation probably has never even heard of him, but a man named Paul Harvey. Did I date myself? If you remember Paul Harvey, raise up your hand. Was he not a great communicator? Well, he said something every day on the radio that I'm going to say here at this point in time. See, what you need to write in your Bible is Paul Harvey or the rest of the story. Because there is so much more to the story than what we know. But it's in the Bible. It is huge. It's awesome. Right here, we're going to take a pause and just think. I wish I had a recording and have Paul Harvey saying, now, the rest of the story. Okay, but in Colossians, right here where it says in, in 51, it says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks split. Then if you turn over to Colossians where we just read, and we're going to continue to read more in there, you have to go back and forth uh, to get the whole picture. Now, you don't have to turn if you don't want to. In verse 14, it says, Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made an... When did this take place? What was this all about? What we need to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, when he's on... There were two people next to him. There were, there were two thieves Matter of fact, there were three crosses at Calvary, just not one. You want another interesting story or something to study at home? Why were there three crosses? 
There's a reason. We only focus on, but there's a reason for three. It'll light you up. Start learning about this stuff. So Jesus is hanging, is on the cross. The Roman centurion looks at us as if you be the Son of God, do something to prove it. He could have, but he didn't. The one thief mocks him. The other thief, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in. In the book of Acts, it says, there's a quote from the Psalms that says that I know you won't leave my soul in Hades. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, it says, that Jesus ascended. Now that I got a platform, I can do it. See how this works? I used it. He ascended. But before he ascended, he into the, I'm not going to keep on going. I want to get back up to the lower parts of the earth. Well, what's this all about? See, before he went up, he went down. What did he do when he went down? The Bible says he went into the lower parts of the earth. He told the one thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. The scripture says that I know you won't leave my soul in Hades. But he cried out, into my hands I commend my... And where did his, his body go? He went to the grave. So we three, see three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. The same way that we're made up. We're a trichotomy. We, we have three parts to us. His body went to the grave. His soul went to Hades or to hell. There's three parts or several different parts of hell. We won't get into that this morning. But one of those parts was Abraham's bosom. It was called paradise. So when Jesus looked at the, the, the thief and said, Today you'll be with me in... He wasn't saying heaven... He was talking about Abraham's bosom. You know the story of Lazarus? You know the rich man? Look, you know, that whole story, we won't get it. We don't have the time. We could, but we don't have time. These saints, all the saints of old were held in a place called Abraham's bosom, a place called paradise. And so when Jesus died on the cross, his body went to the grave, his spirit was with the Father, and his soul went to Hades. Now what happened in Hades? The scripture says he preached to the spirits held captive. What did he preach? He didn't preach the gospel. He preached the very thing you saw here. See, see, in Ezekiel, the Bible says that Satan said, I will ascend into the mountain of God, and I will do this, and I will do this, and I will do this. See, I believe with all my heart, Jesus, before he ascended, he went down, descended, and preached to all the fallen angels and said, he said he will, he said he will. He says, I did, I did, I did. I am victorious. I am more than... that. Amen. He did all the things Amen. that he said he was going to do. He didn't have to declare that he would because he did. Amen. He went down and declared that he is the Son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He is Amen. the Lamb of God. He is the conqueror. See, we're more than a conqueror. He's the conqueror. He did all that the Word said He would do. He declared what He did. He fulfilled the law of God that was against us. The war is over. He said it is finished. Oh, I don't know if you can tell. I get a little excited about this. 
This is the most awesome under... If you could just grasp... A, I hope and pray you just grasp a little bit of this. I think we're we'll going to have to turn there. Book of Ephesians. I was trying not to turn to too many scriptures. In 1 Peter where it talks about where he preached to the spirits in prison. 1 Peter 3.19. Acts 2.27 talks about my soul in Hades. <laughs> Ephesians 4.7. Let's turn there real quick. Book of Ephesians. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might feel all things. That's what we're talking about this morning. Let's go back to verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. What we need to understand is that as he, before he ascended, he descended in the lower parts of the earth. And First Peter says he preached, he preached what he had done to the spirits there and while he was there he went down to Abraham's bosom the scripture says he led captivity captive you want an exciting movie you want something that would be a box office hit you get someone to make a movie from the time add the passion and check the rest of the story after the passion of him before he went up he went down and to the lower parts of the earth. And I can see all of Hollywood coming up with all kinds of demons and spirits. And Jesus down there de de declaring he was and is the son of the living God. Victorious over death. Down there proclaiming who he was. The scripture says, then he took captivity captive. What does it mean to take captivity captive? Have we just read this for the years and never colored in the lines? Where were all the saints of old? Where were all the people? Where was Moses, Elijah, Noah, Adam, all the patriarchs, everybody that were saints of old in the old entire covenant, in the, in the Old Testament, were they in heaven? No, they were held in Abraham's bosom until Calvary. And when the scripture says he descended and took captive all those that were captive in Abraham's bosom and led them out of captivity. Come on now. They had waited all their lives and deaths for this moment. He went down and declared, you don't have to wait no more. Come on, church. Everything that they were, everything all these people had looked forward to had come to pass here at Calvary. Right here represents the cross. All these people over here were looking forward to Jesus coming. 
Jesus went down and got them all and embraced them and says, all you that believed, come with me. Took them captive. How do we know this? Am I just making this up? Let's read some... You'd think I'd have a scripture for that. Do I have a scripture for that? Oh, Matthew chapter 27. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his after uh, after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. Stop right here if you don't... That's just not ver words on Scripture. Stop and think about it. In Jerusalem, at the resurrection on Easter day, when God came out of the grave, when the roll, rock rolled back, just not His grave opened up, but all the saints of old came forth and walked through the city of Jerusalem. Ah! Come on! Do you think they saw a ghost? Yes! The Bible says they saw Moses, Elijah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and anybody else you can think of walked in the streets of Jerusalem. This just isn't a simple little happy Easter. Where's my bunny? This is the day of all days when Jesus went down into the lower parts, declared who He was, gathered everybody else that was captive. Everybody in Abraham's bosom is not there anymore. It's gone. We don't go to paradise. Although paradise was transferred to heaven. He gathered all the saints of old in His victorious, triumphant, glorious Winning the battle at Calvary. He went down and declared, I am the winner. He gathered all these saints of old on His way up. Stop right there. Little insert. The priest, when they would take the blood from the Passover lamb, they would have to take the blood and go to the altar and deliver the blood. See, in the book of Hebrews, it says, no will is ratified without proof of death. Okay? You have to have proof of death for the will to be ratified. So the blood, there was no proof of death until the blood from the Passover lamb was taken to the altar and delivered. If anybody came close to him, you know what he said? Don't touch me. Probably yet ascended unto the Father. So as Jesus came out of the grave, what did He tell Mary when she went to embrace Him? <sighs> Don't touch me. Because He hadn't taken His blood to the Father. Now He's got all the saints of old. Get the picture. Come on. Get the picture. Just try, just try not to get excited. <laughs> just, just, just everybody go like this. See, seatbelts are not for the church. It's for the car. Amen. Just do a prophetic motion. says, I'm releasing myself to get excited. You won't get a ticket. 
in here for getting too excited. Mary approached him. He said, don't touch me, for I have yet ascended to the Father. So, see, see the process. So, as he descended, he's starting to ascend now. And on his way up, he's bringing all these people with him. And they're walking in the streets of Jerusalem. He tells Mary, he says, don't touch me. I have yet ascended to the Father. He had something to do. He had to take the blood to the Father to prove that he died. Are they ready? book of Colossians chapter 2 does anybody have a bulletin on the front of your bulletin is the proper spelling of a word you've never heard before called the apec duomai you ever heard that before if you have that's great if it was before last week that's even better Book of Colossians, chapter 2. It says here, having wiped out, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers and having made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, we've read this verse, but do you understand what this verse is saying? The word apec duomai. Some of your versions have the word uh, spoiled. Who has the word spoiled? Your versions have the word spoiled. Some of you have disarmed. That word is apec duomai. Uh, does any, I, I know my first, my only real recollection of this word being performed in public was when General MacArthur, I, I wasn't old enough, but I saw the newsreels, General MacArthur receiving the sword from the Japanese army at the surrender of, at, after the bombing of Hiroshima. Does anybody remember seeing that newsreel? Where he's standing in front of, uh, the Japanese army and he's taking the sword in their surrender. He was performing an apec duomai. It's a military term. It's been used throughout history. And the way it's used throughout history, back in before we got civilized, they would cut off the thumbs of the defeated, the defeated general. So the general could, could never hold a sword or a, a weapon against you in battle again. They would cut off the big toes so he couldn't keep his balance. He couldn't run or he couldn't do anything against you physically. They would strip him naked and drag him through the main corridor of town of the victorious general. They would make an open spectacle of his demise of his defeat. And as, as civilization would, as they grew in culture, uh, what we see happen, what, what took place in, uh, in culture now is that, that it's done when General MacArthur took the sword and, and what, uh, I, I, just, I just need a volunteer. Who, 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 does, who doesn't mind standing up and it needs to be a male though? I think it needs to be the devil. Is our devil in here? Chuck. Chuck, come on up here real quick. Come on. Come on. 
I'm going to play the part of Jesus. <laughs> see, see, the scripture says, now just, just, just imagine Chuck here in full military um, regalia, all his, all, his, all his ribbons, all his dress, the finest of finest. He's got the insignia here. He's got his rank. He's got all his battle ribbons, uh, his ban campaign banners, everything that he see. And see, uh, an Apec Duomai is when the victorious general walks up to him and says, in front of everybody that's watching, he does this. He goes, this is your battle of what, whatever it is. You were bigger than it, but because I defeated you, I'm bigger than it. And all the victories that this person went through is declared, he begins to rip them off his, his uniform. He takes his rank. This is, your, this is your country. I begin to rip this off of you. I begin to rip this. This means this. I'm bigger than this. And begins to openly humiliate in front of everybody that's watching. Make an open spectacle of his defeat and, and this person's victory. And Jesus did this. He performed an open, an apec duomai in front of whom? Did anybody on earth see this? No! Why? Because it was in the realm of the Spirit against principalities and powers. It is in the realm of all the angels and all the heavenly witnessed an apec duomai, Jesus coming, dying on a cross, being victorious, saying it is finished, going to the grave, descending, preaching His victory to all the principalities and powers, gathering all the saints that were held captive on His way up, carrying His blood, performing an apec duomai, saying, Satan, I'm bigger than divorce. I'm bigger than disease. I'm bigger than death. How about this scripture? Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? He began to rip off darkness. I'm bigger than darkness. You're nothing. You're a liar. I'm bigger. And begin to just humiliate him in public, in the heavenlies. This was going on in the heavenlies. All of angels saw this. I got a scripture for that. Psalms 24. Psalms 24. Turn there real quick. We're almost done. I've never done this so fast. Trust me, we are leaving out so much. Psalms 24. You're going to see evidence in the Word of this very thing taking place. Now remember, He hasn't gone to the Father yet. Psalms 24 says this, verse 7. Now, get the picture. See it here. Jesus died on the cross, said it is finished. Before He ascended, He descended. Went down, preached who He was to all the spirits in heaven. Gathered up, took captivity, all the captive saints of old. Brought them up with Him as He was resurrected from the grave. So were they. He wouldn't let anybody touch Him because He still had to carry His blood to the Father. On His way up, He stops and performs an apec duomai. So heaven can watch. Now, I don't know if you've ever been... I know you had never been to a Willis, Texas football game. But we don't go there because they have such a good record. Okay? And I don't, I've, I've yet... Since I've only been here three months, but I haven't been to a football game here. But, but the cheerleaders do something with the band. That's the only kind of a thing I... The cheerleaders come up and go, Hey, band! And the band goes, Hey, What? Now, see, they know what's going on. It's part of a celebration. It's part of a ceremony. It's part of something that everybody looks forward to. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Lift up your heads, O ye gates. See, I can just see all the saints of old, Moses and Elijah and all these people shouting to the gates of heaven. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And all of heaven cries out, Who's the King of glory? <laughs> it's not there. You think they're really asking a question, going, Hmm, I wonder who the King of glory is. See, I don't think so. I think this is a celebration. I think they knew. Everybody knew. And this was just part of the celebration. They asked the question, who's the king of glory? And then the, the saints of old, who see, he went down and testified to everybody that he was the king of glory. So they know who is because of what he did. Then he, they cry out, says, the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. battle. The war is over, people. Why are you still fighting with stuff? It's over. Get over it. Get over it. Jesus is bigger than any problem you have. Yeah. Amen. It goes on. It says, the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who's the King of glory? <laughs> the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Come on. Stand up, church. Stand up. Come on, we've got stuff to celebrate. He is the King of glory. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings, the Prince of peace, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the everlasting one. He is exalted. Come on, church. So now, you see the picture. He's just performed an APAC duel mine, but we're not done. We're not done. So he's taken... I'll go down. He descended. He got everybody. He goes up, performs an APEC, do a mine. You know, just like there's three compartments into hell, there's three compartments in heaven. John said, I was in the, the, spirit, uh, you know, in the third heavens. You ever heard that term? Well, if there's a third heaven, guess what? There's a first and second. That's deep theological thinking right there now. That's how deep I go. And there's three compartments to hell. So, in the second heaven, he's declaring. They're performing an apac duomai. He's taking his blood to the Father. He delivers the blood to the Father that redeems all man. Then he comes back, doesn't he? And then he's with the disciples. He finds the disciples in a room, scared that they were going to die. Scared that they were going to get like he was. They, they weren't expecting Jesus to come walking through the wall. Doubting Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see it, touch it, and feel it. And what did Jesus say? Let me just, he said, touch me. See that I'm not flesh and... Thank you. Someone said it right. First person that's ever said it right. He didn't say flesh and blood. You know why? He gave all His blood to the Father. Come on, church. All His blood for all your sins. For all man's sins. 
He said, touch me, feel me, see that I'm not flesh and bone. Because there was no blood. Oh, come on. Come on. It is finished, church. The totality of what Jesus did from entering the eastern gate to entering the gates of heaven and coming back and then telling us to go out and make disciples. The totality. We don't know. Every year I learn more about what took place. Just, just the, the, the difference between learning about some of the customs. Listen, the totality of what Jesus did, the full, complete price of His sacrifice, of His works, of His doings. Oh, the next time someone says Happy Easter to you, just under your breath, don't, don't rudely, just kind of chuckle, go, if you only knew how happy Easter really is. If you only knew what really took place. He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is say let's sing this to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb oh to him who sits on the throne yes and unto the lamb Blessing and glory. Be blessing and glory. Now, you saw me feeling that means I have more scripture about this event. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside. And on the back seal was seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and those who loose the seal? And no one in heaven or on earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll and to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep, for behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seven seals and I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. 
And though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirit of God sent into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Everybody say, Lamb! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And having a harp and a bowl and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth not in heaven on earth then I looked and I heard a voice many angels around the throne living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them were ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature, say every creature, every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all are in them, I heard saying, Blessings and honor and glory and power. Come on, church! Blessing! Sing it! Blessing! Blessing! And honor! Come on, sing it! You're joining with all the angels in heaven. You're joining every creature that's ever been made on earth, under earth, declaring blessing and honor and glory. Oh! Woo! Oh! An honor! Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Bible says that Jesus was slain. Church, when was he slain? Who was here the first message I preached? Jesus wasn't slain at Calvary. He was crucified at Calvary. Bible says he was slain before the earth was even this was God's plan from the very beginning it wasn't a shocker to God he planned for your redemption he planned for your deliverance he planned for your victory over divorce he planned for your victory over sickness he planned for your victory to rule and reign on earth in the kingdom of heaven on this earth as kings and priests people called by God to be a, an example to the rest of the world. I got one thing to say. Happy Easter. God bless you.